anyway, so it's fine. Big, big win for the Cincinnati Bengals in prime time. And it's safe to say at this point, they're back where they belong among the league's elites. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast coming to you after the Bengals win on Sunday Night Football in Week 9 over the Buffalo Bills. Is it Week 9 or Week 10? It's Week 10. Week Week 9. It's late. The Bengals won. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. We're going to have you covered with the biggest takeaways and the biggest notes from this Bengals win. This episode brought to you by LinkedIn, who helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL terms and conditions apply. And if you're new to the show, you can find the show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. And James, for me, the biggest takeaway is that Joe Burrow is fully in control of this offense right now. And it wasn't perfect. But the way he's playing has me very encouraged. What's your biggest takeaway? Well, it certainly starts there. But you mentioned League's Elite. And being a night game, I had a chance to watch plenty of NFL football on Sunday. And I think that's fair to say. The the fact that this Bengals team in back-to-back weeks was in control on the road against San Francisco throughout the game. In control against a Buffalo team that had plenty of reasons for revenge, plenty of reasons to be motivated coming into this game, to get a win. And the Bengals from the jump just looked better. And could they have played even better? And should they have won by more? Yeah, I think so. And so when I look at this final score, 24-18, I don't think it was indicative of how well they played. And little things that a lot of them were self-inflicted cost them points that – kept them from winning by even more. So that's where I'm at is you think of leagues, elite teams and who are the top teams in the AFC or the top teams in the NFC, top teams in the NFL. There's two things that to me, I'm pretty confident about right now. The AFC North is by far the best division in football because every single team won this week. All four would be in the playoffs if the regular season ended today. And the Bengals might be the best of the four in the North. They are, they are elite. They are among that group. And I think everyone assumes the Ravens are elite. The Bengals are right there with them and the Chiefs and whoever else you want to throw in the AFC in those elite teams. And it does start with Joe Burrow. I mean, he was great again tonight. Six for six on the opening drive. They take the the ball after winning the coin toss. I didn't think they were going to. I thought they yeah, would defer. I, I it, They take the ball. They march it right downfield. Burrow, six for six, 65 yards. And... Jake, we got to mention the other storyline tonight, a big one. There's a bunch that we'll get to. Tight end. What tight end problem? What that Those those idiots on Locked On Bengals saying that Hunter Henry makes sense or Mike Gesicki or whatever whatever other tight end. And, and I'll just say that idiot, that blonde idiot on Locked On Bengals there, uh, <laughs> saying those things and uh, 
Tanner Hudson, Irv Smith Jr., and Drew Sample came out the ball, baby. Came out the ball, and they, they played well tonight. Yeah, I think the tight ends are definitely a big story in this game. Joe Burrow, a big story. There's nitpicking to be done. Maybe we save that for another episode. We try to keep this one positive. Uh, there, there might be some things we can't avoid bringing up in terms of some some decisions that were made in this game. But, yeah, the tight end's a big story, too. I want to I go back to Joe Burrow before we go Ten to Ten for 101. Ends. Ten for 101. All right, Is that the ahead. tight ends? Yes. I, I do want to talk about the tight ends and, and, and the trade deadline discussion at some point. Maybe the trade deadline, revisiting the trade deadline isn't tonight either. But uh, on the topic of Joe Burrow, finishes 31 for 44 in the game uh, for 348. 7.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, just one sack. Yep. Thought he and the offensive line, again, like against San Francisco, showed that they're in sync. He's moving very well in the pocket. He's playing with great timing, again, as he does when he's great. And I was thinking about this when I was reflecting on the game. And obviously, we, we don't have all 22 to, to verify this. But from what we could see on TV, it felt like Joe Burrow was – pretty much flawless when it came to decision-making like from a mental process perspective mm -hmm. where he went with the ball, when he went there with the ball, that doesn't mean he didn't miss throws and he was like a tick late on that deep ball to Jamar chase and Jamar chase lands hard after that. Not much of a factor in the game after that attempt, that should have been a touchdown. He throws a great back shoulder ball to Tyler Boyd that he has a hard time bringing in. It's, there's a little bit of a pass breakup there as well. Could have been a touchdown. Earlier in the game, he throws a, a ball and a quick out to Jamar Chase in the red zone. Jamar bobbles it going out of bounds. Could have been a touchdown. So he could have had at least three, if not four more touchdowns, because I think that throw to Mixon that got deflected at the line of scrimmage before they settled for a field goal also could have been a touchdown if it wasn't deflected at the line of scrimmage with Mixon taking it in, in out of the flat. So there's at least three plays for Burrow in this game that could have been touchdowns and made his night even better than it was in addition to the already good night he has. And when he's playing like that, when he's mentally as sharp as he is in this game, that's when you see the Bengals win 10 in a row, like they did last year. And that's when you feel like, yeah, this team can beat anybody because they have a quarterback playing at the highest level you can play in the NFL. You tweeted this during the game, I think it was maybe after their second drive, that this team was looking like the, the team that we expected them to look like yeah. coming into the year. And watching him the past two games now i think back to that july 26th practice where i i was like man burrow looks like he's be better than he was last year and it was like oh crazy take joe burrow looks good in day one of training camp right it was just it sounds so stupid to say but i was like i can't believe how well he's throwing the ball and how good he looks and and i i think we're starting to see that because he's still at least managing the calf, even though it might not be bothering him tonight. He was managing a, a couple of little things. Obviously everyone saw the hand and, and he was still playing at a, a really, really high level. And when he's playing like that, I mean, I don't know what Shady McCoy's thinking. It isn't close right now. I, I'll say Shady McCoy said, it's not close. Josh out. No, it's not close the other way. I just watched these two teams. And, and now this is the, the second game in a row where it's felt that way. And it, it never felt like it was a close game, even though it ended up being close and the Bengals had to close it out at the end there. 
and, and in large part to do it had to do with Joe Burrow and the way he started this game. And and Allen punched back to his credit, but guess what? Burrow got things going right right back downfield and, and just apply the pressure. And when you do that, and this Bengals offense has done that, when you do that to teams, it makes it much easier on your defense and it forces teams to press some and make mistakes and, and not play like they're used to playing. Even a team like the Bills, they, they never felt like they were really truly in rhythm after that first possession. I think part of that was they were chasing and they were trailing for the, literally the entire game after the first, what? The opening possession and, and and them tying it up at seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's three weeks in a row they've scored touchdowns on their first two drives. Four weeks in a row they've scored on their first two drives. Going back to Arizona, they kicked a field goal on their second drive, and we've all we all saw the stats this week. I guess everybody who's on Twitter saw the stats this week. When the Bengals have a lead and score first, they win way more often than they lose, and and they could have had a twenty-eight point lead or not a 28-point lead. They could have had 28 points in the first half. They go backwards after Cam Taylor-Britt's interception, which is, by the way, and we'll talk about the defense, I, I think, as well, and how they remain opportunistic, plus two in the turnover column. Cam Taylor-Britt, again, bailing out a Zach Taylor punt decision that I didn't agree with, like almost immediately, second time this season. He's sure. done that. Um, but... It could have been, like I said, like we're talking about here, could have been more lopsided in the first half. And you talk about hot starts. One of the things that that is a nitpick to, to some degree or, or a legit criticism to, to some degree as well is they do need to be more successful throughout games and, and they need to finish some drives where, where they left some points on the field in this game. Because I was stressed at the end of the game, the, the, the last like three minutes of the game or so. And then I, I felt a lot better after they came out. Last kind of general offense note, when they came out after the Bills scored that touchdown and, and throw just drop back pass, not even play action. They're like, we're just going to drop back and hit Tyler Boyd on a corner and, and get a huge chunk of yards here, get near field goal range right away. We're going to stay on the offense because we've got to talk about those tight ends. T. Higgins, also big game. So let's stay on the offense here coming up next. This episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs, who knows that every potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. If you're starting a podcast about the Bengals, you want to have access to James and myself. And that's why you have LinkedIn Jobs, who helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job to LinkedIn Put the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and use our simple tools like screening questionnaires to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to hire after they pass that interview. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering qualified candidates versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs can help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. I have to tell you about our guys at Schultz jewelers. It is their anniversary. It's coming up their 70th anniversary of making the queen city sparkle with the biggest sale of the year with their brand new remodeled store as well. So guess what? You get to check out their store. You get, 
deals on deals on deals because right now owner Matt Schultz, he's throwing an anniversary party that includes 50% off the whole store. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving. Mention locked on at checkout. You're going to get an additional $10 off. So maybe you want a custom piece like Joe Burrow's custom earphones that had diamonds on them. Matt Schultz has got you hooked up. All you got to do is mention locked on. And hey, maybe I'll get these the, these AirPods, a little diamond out, a little blinged out like Joe does. You know, never know. Maybe I'm going to have to hit up Matt and not maybe I'm going to uh, this holiday season, but maybe for the AirPods. The point is, is anything jewelry with the holiday season coming along, you got to get the Schultz jewelers and 50% off everything in store. It's the perfect time to spoil yourself. It's later this month. They're at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky. You can check them out online as well at schulzdiamonds.com. That's schultzdiamonds.com. And again, don't miss out on the biggest sale of the year, November 16th to 18th at Schultz Jewelers. I know their new showroom looks beautiful. I can't wait to see it. You got to get there as well. Again, don't forget to mention Locked On for $10 off at the anniversary sale. James, let's stay on the topic of this offense. Big game for T. Higgins, big game for these tight ends. You talked about the tight ends earlier. Mm-hmm. Tanner Hudson, dude, makes plays. Yes. Yes. I mean, so, so did Drew Sample. I told you he should have made game. the roster. He should have made the roster. Me. I know you were on board, too. I'm just saying, like, he should have made the roster. Yeah. Big day. <laughs> Not I mean, arguing. All the tight ends. Just stating it was a and, great day for the tight ends. And, and, like, the whole trade deadline point was, like, you could see Tanner Hudson actually making a bit of an impact. That was, like, one of the reasons where if I had we to said pick that. a position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that. totally. We said that. That's why if I had to pick a position, it might have been – Interior defensive line, but those guys, I mean, the Bills couldn't run the ball in this game. So, you know, it, it all's, all's, all, all's well that ends well so far. But those guys at T. Higgins really stepped up in a game where Jamar Chase did appear to get banged up, wasn't as much of a factor in this game overall. Certainly after that deep ball, he had one more catch in the game after that. So hopefully he's all right coming out of it. He finished the game. He didn't miss time, but did get some treatment on the sideline. Sure. Yeah, that's that's the factor. I, I think there are going to be a few guys like that, that that are kind of managing things early in the week and and are going to be sore on Monday when a lot of people are listening to this. I, I'm confident in saying that. That doesn't mean that they're going to miss time or anything like that. But the tight ends, answering the bell, huge, huge game. And this is kind of – I sort of think this is sustainable. Maybe it's because it's 1 a.m. Not the 10 catches for 101 yards. I don't mean that. But, like, on paper, knowing what we know about Tanner Hudson, can Tanner Hudson and Irv Smith Jr. combine to give you enough in the passing game to get you by in this offense? They should be able to do that. Drew Sample is a really good blocking tight end, and he, he made a play in the passing game tonight. I'm not expecting him to do that moving forward. That's That's – the cherry on top, if he does, like it was mm-hmm. tonight. And in Mitch Wilcox obviously has his role. I, I think what we're going to see moving forward, we're going to see four tight ends active. I, I think that that's kind of where they're going to be because they all have their own roles and, and in a lot of ways multi-purpose roles. And it's not like you can look at tonight and, and see an odd man out because I can't. And people would say, oh, well, Mitch Wilcox. No, I think Mitch Wilcox on special teams is is valuable in, in, in the way they use him. So. I would expect all four to be active moving forward. That's what I think tonight means. 
Tanner Hudson was the first tight end on the field. Uh, it was kind of a funny moment on the broadcast. Irv Smith is announcing himself with the starters. Irv Smith, Alabama, whatever, whatever he's saying. As, as they go through all the players, they say their yep. own names and call. And, and Tanner Hudson's on the field. I don't know how many people noticed that. Probably a lot of people did. But uh, big play on third down, comical on that yeah. on that drive. Yeah, and, and actually, hilariously, the the longest play for a tight end in this game was Drew Sample's twenty-two yard catch and run for the touchdown. Um, Putting defenders on skates, but but Hudson had two first downs. I want to say yes. in this game, both two two third down conversions, and one was longer. Like the one was that third and two. It was a little. Yeah, it, and yeah, and the other one, he just makes because the one he had to like climb the ladder a bit and make the catch, and it was like a contested catch situation, and it was like oh, a little bit. he oh, makes yeah. plays. Yeah, I, I I've liked Tanner Hudson since the preseason. I think you have too. I mean, when we were watching, when we were down there for training camp together, watching those practices every day, it was oh Tanner Hudson when yeah. he was out there. He he missed a little bit of time in camp too. That that probably hurt him a little bit, but. Um, the other guy that, that was big for this offense, Mixon, uh, don't want to forget him, started the game hot. A couple of really successful screens for Mixon early. He did have five catches for 31 yards in this game. Uh, had a first down in the screen game on that first drive. Had a big couple of blitz pickups, I think. One of which was on that last drive to, to let Joe Burrow throw that ball to Tyler Boyd. But contributed early, had that touchdown run, had that 12-yard run on second and 12, had that 13-yard run, I should say, on second and 12. So shout-out Mixon as well. But where I was going was T. Higgins, who mm -hmm. you talk about contested catch stuff with T. Against oh, a bigger okay. corner now. Rasul Douglas is 6'2", and, and that's one of the reasons the Bills went out and got him, and they put him out there specifically to, to match up with T. on a number of plays, and T. just boxed him out. You got a couple of those vintage T. Higgins catching the ball away from his body, holding it away from the corner plays, and he's feeling himself a little bit. He's he's getting back to it a little bit. Hopefully, he's feeling better, and that's why eight catches on nine targets for 110 yards, several big first downs in this game for T. And uh, if if he's going right, getting back on track when teams are going to spend the resources the Bills did to take away Jamar Chase, that's going to be a big piece of this offense going forward yeah it's huge huge to have him uh, you, you need him back he said it's about time yeah and obviously it's his first 100 yard game of the season and you're right well, one thing i can say it now uh, i was talking to t and i was like what do you think about their corners and i mentioned douglas specifically and he was like he's long now he's long i had to deal with him in camp during that joint practice mm. and so he remembered him right away and, and you mentioned his size and did you notice how T was holding the ball away from yeah. his body? Like, I, I think he was very aware of how Douglas had good length. And he's like, I'm keeping this away from you. You're not going to be able to bat it. So it was just, it was interesting to see that like in action tonight, but strong hands, strong at the catch point, making big plays. That's the T Higgins that we're used to seeing as 170 plus yards receiving over the past two games now. So I think he's, right back to, to where we expect and in this offense, obviously starting to click. So we'll see if they can keep it going, but it's time to talk about the defense because the defense came up big again and uh, they continue to come up big with the game on the line. So let's uh, talk about Lou Anarumo's crew coming up next. 
Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is almost halfway over, but it's still the perfect time to get to America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers with FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So let's say you think that the Bengals are going to handle business against the Texans next week and win their fifth straight game. Well, you take the money line with FanDuel and boom, you could turn that $5 bet into $150. Obviously, they have all the odds, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get going today. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Before we go to the defense, last note on the offense for me, just want to make sure we shout out Tyler Boyd, who had Mm -hmm. one of his better games of the season, had a couple of really big plays, including that last drive of the game. And he, he could have had one more big catch. It could have been a touchdown, tough play, contested catch situation there. But nice to see Tyler Boyd's productivity ticking up. More first downs for him, a little bit more efficient, um, which, which is certainly a positive. Now, the defense made life difficult for the Bills for almost the entire game. The, the Bills had two touchdown drives, of course, the, the second drive of the game and, and the two-minute at the end of the game that actually took them four and a half minutes, which – Given the timeout situation, the the Bengals did at least make them use a lot of time on that drive. But in the first half, you had one first down, then three more plays and a punt. You had the interception. You had a three and out. And and then you got off the field at the end of the half. There was another three and out in the second half. But but the bigger factor is, is a plus two in the turnover margin. Yep. The Bengals remain a very opportunistic defense. This time it was Cam Taylor Britt baiting a throw into a cover two hole from Josh Allen that Allen had no business throwing, reminiscent of him undercutting a route from Allen in the playoff game last year where he drifts back into the window and makes a catch. A little bit different, similar, similar ideas. And then Jermaine Pratt, man, hustle play. He gets beat by Dalton Kincaid at, at the top of the route, chases it down, punches the ball out while Kincaid's flipping as he's upended by Nick Scott and the opportunistic nature of this defense as they really settled in and had a better plan for a lot of this game against Josh Allen continues to pay dividends for this team. Yeah, it does. And I don't know how Jermaine Pratt continues to do this. I mean, instant points off the board, momentum killer, completely flipped the game. And the Bengals go down. They didn't score to end the game, essentially, but uh, they didn't score a touchdown, excuse me, to end the game. But still, it, it's just taking points off the board from the opponent in back-to-back weeks. And then Cam Taylor Britt gets called for the pass interference, bounces back with an interception on the following drive. And he, he said, you better expect it every week. <laughs> That's exactly what he said to me when I said, congrats, another interception. Better expect it every week. And he didn't say it in that tone. He was really hyped. I just don't want to hurt our, our listeners' ears here. So he he was really excited. Obviously, he's coming along and continues to play at a high level. But Jermaine Pratt, man, how, how valuable has he been this season? Thank goodness. Everyone said, oh, they lost Bates and, and Bell. Like, 
good thing they signed Pratt because he's he's a big part of this defense and, and making game-changing plays, it seems like, on a weekly basis. And Zach Taylor continues to give Pratt credit for the turnover mentality that the defense has. And, and it is Pratt. Like, anybody that watches the Bengals can see very obviously that Pratt is typically the guy that's most aggressively going after that football. And, and it was a pursuit on that fumble that led to that, that even being possible. A lot of guys could say, oh, Dalton Kincaid, you know, the tight end, he got by me, he's running into my safety, let's, mm-hmm. let's go get ready for the next play. But Pratt ends up on Kincaid's hip pocket by the time Nick Scott is there to make that tackle and is right there to, to make it a fumble as well. And Cam Taylor Britt, like you said, I mean, better expected. That's three out of four games with the pick for him. So I can see why he why his uh confidence about adding to that stretch is, is pretty. I hope high he gets right to now. double digits. Let's go crazy now, Cam. That'd Let's go something. crazy with it. It, it would be. That'd be something. Uh, on design runs in this game. I mean, the Bills only had 16 rush attempts in this game. Eight of them were Josh Allen. I was going to say, I don't remember many design runs, period. Like, yeah. But so th- that, that passes, that mat, the, the numbers match the eye test. Because that's not always the case. Because there, there was a moment in the game when I looked and Mixon was averaging like two something a carry. And I was like, oh, like I didn't realize that because of his hot start, that it was that low. And, uh, and, and so this is just an example. Sometimes the numbers match the eye test, sometimes they don't. Yeah, the early down run run game for the Bengals was pretty abysmal. That's what cost. Yeah. Yep. In this game, but but so was it for for the Bills for the most part. When it wasn't Josh Allen. The the lead back for the Bills uh Cook was was bad in, in early down situations. That's why the Bills weren't running the ball. That's why the Bills dropped back 46 times, 47 times and handed the ball off eight times. Talk about making a team one-dimensional. And it's not really a, a thing for the Bills as much as it is for the 49ers. We didn't talk about it a ton going into this game, but that does make your life easier on, on defense. And the Bengals only have one sack. They, they almost had two where Trey Henderson catches Allen from behind, but he's like a yard past the line of scrimmage. But they were disruptive. And it was B.J. Hill with the sack. That B.J. Hill, Sam Hubbard twist, stunt, that we talked to Lou Anarumo about during the bye that they kind of called their own number at the end of that game going into the bye mm-hmm. to, to get that sack. That was very effective in this game. I think that that's where BJ Hill's sack came from. They had a number of other pressures. Some of them Josh Allen escapes and is able to make something out of it. But when you're able to disrupt, get Josh Allen off his spot and, and you have a good plan for that, which they did. I mean, the, the play where they have two spies on him, where Logan Wilson and, and Jermaine Pratt are both staying in the spy when they, when they only rush three, that's the near sack for, for Trey Hendrickson. Like the pressure was effective in this game. Wasn't gaudy in terms of sack numbers. They only have one sack, but it was disruptive and it led to some, some dead plays for the bills. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. And it's uh man, it, one thing uh, I, someone texted me, I wasn't watching the broadcast. You were obviously watching the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Did they bring up Luana Rumo's head coaching candidacy again? Sure did. They, yeah. He he was like, can they stop doing that? It is making me mad. <laughs> he, he was sick of it. My, my buddy was. And he's like, stop. Stop bringing it up every every time. And uh, I think tonight 
is is another example of that. Uh, although it, it is two completely different things. Here's what I'll say: He's a heck of a defensive coordinator. I'll yeah. say that the Bengals are lucky to have him. For yeah, sure. I mean, he, he comes up big in these games against good quarterbacks, time in, time out. And what more if you have a good quarter, like or great quarterback? What more could you ask for from your defensive coordinator? Like that's exactly what you want is to yeah. give have your DC give your great quarterback an edge in these big moments and big matchups. Especially because we still haven't seen this team. I mean, against San Francisco, it was pretty close, but they left points on the field in that game too. Like we haven't seen this team yeah. play a, an entirely You're complete right. game. No. This game could have easily had the same final score. One point different, I guess, because Buffalo went for two, but it could have very easily been 31-18 after 31-17 against San Francisco last week. They should have had 30-plus points today. Yeah. I'm confident in saying that. I mean, even if not much change, the false start alone cost them three. In, the after false the start on a field goal attempt that apparently a lot of fans tweeted at me about this. I didn't see a replay. A lot of them said that nobody actually moved. And, and Buffalo is pointing a lot, but they're convinced that Orlando Brown didn't move. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it again. Cause you, I don't, you're right. I don't think they replayed it. They didn't replay it the, here. They did show before. one on TV, but I wasn't looking. So we'll, we'll have to ah. see if we can catch a replay of that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a brutal stretch for the penalties. That was the stretch where they went, what false start delay of game offsides, false start holding past the Tanner Hudson for nine yards on first yeah. down from the 32. They get to the 23-yard line, and then it's delay of game, all the penalties, and they're out of field goal range by the end, or out of realistic field goal range. I think Evans still would have made it. but Which is crazy. I, I don't like to talk about ref stats. I don't like to tweet about ref stats. I don't think I'm ever going to do it again, but I did look into it this week because because I saw when Jay Morrison tweeted who their officiating crew is going to be, and I was just curious, so I looked, and Alex Kemp's crew has called going into this game the most penalties in the NFL, period. And uh, the first half of this game, you could certainly feel that. It felt like there Holding. was a flag oh, on, on every play in the first half. I don't think that it had a huge impact on the game. I think it did cut both ways. The weird intentional grounding call, the weird roughing the passer yeah. call for Burrow. Maybe they called the, the contact to the helmet there. Um, and, and then they kind of swallowed their whistle a little bit down the stretch which is always funny when a flag-happy crew kind of stops throwing flags in the second half. Anyway, uh, th there's obviously more to talk about with this one. We're, we're hoping to have the film in, in the near future to do to do some film review. We'll see when that's available after the late game. And then, you know, we can talk about some of the things that could have been better in this game too. We, we don't have to do it tonight. I think it's a good win against a good team. It's safe to say after the Bengals' recent stretch of play, they are certainly one of those great teams in the NFL. You talked about it with Luana Rumo. You talk about some of the other good teams in the NFL right now, Baltimore, Kansas City, the, the two that stand out that you mentioned, James, also really good defenses with really good defensive coordinators right now, like the Bengals. But the Bengals offense, I think, has some untapped ceiling that they can still get to here as they continue to settle in. But they win this week. They're 5-3. and three. Last year at this time, they were four and four at the eight game mark. Easy to forget after they won their last, well, the rest of their games to get to 12 and four. But they're ahead of that this year, and they'll have to keep winning to go where they want to go in the AFC. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. 
Hude, and have a good one.